Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $25, get $50 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. We are excited to invite Rich Eisen on the show today. That's going to start in the second half. Chris and Rich discuss the NFL in Germany. In week 10, the NFL successfully brought a game to that country. Rich Eisen was there. You can talk about it. He talks a little production meeting, gives some insight on some of the top players and meeting with them behind the scenes, and also the advice he reached out to Al Michaels for when doing some play-by-play for the first time in a couple years. To start the show, Chris is going to talk Monday Night Football the commander's surprising win over the Eagles, and break down some of the controversial plays from that game. Y'all enjoy. We will be back on Thursday with Stanford Steven Vita Vea. Friday's the Freak Show with a little Drew Bledsoe. Today on the show, and we'll get to that in a couple minutes. But um, obviously, with the way things have staggered this week, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Monday night game, and uh, I'm sure that that brought a lot of people joy. A lot of people hate the Eagles, man. Most hated, most hated. Um, some people don't want them to be America's team. The commies don't want them to be America's team. If we're being honest, is what it looked like. Uh, the boys from DC. Uh, rolled up and beat my Eagles. Now, I've said this over and over again. Like, I'm fine with them losing. It's going to happen at some point. You know, I, I do think the fan base at times has got a little bit out over their skis, uh, thinking, you know, like, hey, we're going to be favored in every game. We're not, I don't see us losing. We could be, that's not the way things work. You know, somebody's going to punch you in the mouth at some point during the year, um, and you're going to have to learn from it. And that team last night was the Commanders. And I warned everybody about, I hope you didn't bet the Eagles. These big lines are not covering. Don't do it. Okay, we saw it with Kansas City and Tennessee. We saw it with, did Kansas City, did Jacksonville cover this weekend? No. No, they didn't. Nine and okay. a half and it was 10. It was 10. So Kansas City remains the only team that's covered a big line, I feel like, all year because the, the Bills lost straight out to the Jets. Uh, the list goes on. There's been a bunch of them that uh, just buyer beware. The distance between teams is not as big as you think this year, right? Right. Like, so 
um, and the Commanders are better than they were uh, a month ago. They were better. They're better now than they were when Carson Wentz was starting. I mean, and that's part of the conversation is going to be, and people were already kind of having the conversation after the game, like like it is a conversation. And I preface anything I ever say about Carson with "That's my dude," but you know, um, Carson the person's my dude. Carson the football player. It's my job to analyze. Uh, the game, and I don't think he gives you as good a chance to win right now as Taylor Heineke, who, make no mistake about it, he's going to throw the ball into triple coverage sometimes, right? He, he, he's he's, he's going he, to throw the ball into three Vikings and an official and just hope that the official gets picked. Um, but he's also going to make beautiful throws like the one he made to McLaurin on the sideline last night. Uh, he's also going to get out of trouble. He's going to make he- heads-up plays like the one he made at the end of the game last night, not taking a sack, not burning that ball into coverage. And more than anything, I think, he gives he gives you a belief. He gives your team a belief. Um, I think that belief is so important. Like leadership, you know, that that's kind of this this moving target. And we all, we all have different definitions for what a leader does and that sort of thing, but... Taylor Heineke is one of those players that being around him, you can tell, makes you think that you can do anything, even if it's not necessarily true. Like the truth is, are the Commanders Super Bowl, you know, contenders because they beat the, the the Eagles last night? I don't know about that, but those guys, every time they take the field with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback, believe that they can win that Sunday. And you saw that or that Monday night on the plane afterwards. Everyone's yep. giving their chain. Everyone's excited. He's holding a bush light, and the team's. Around him yeah, and excited, Chase, Chase and Young. even go back to Chase Young. What was it uh, a year or two ago? Yeah, and Chase Young turned around and pointed, is pointing mm-hmm. at his jersey after mm-hmm. the win. Um, this team rallies around Taylor. They love him. They love him. You could see it in the interview after the game. I stayed up and watched, um, you know, uh, Midnight Sports Center. And I'll say it one more time. This has been a long week here. It was really helpful to have, and it kind of instructed. It was instructive to me. Like I'm going to come in and get to work and provide other people a distraction because Scott and Steve provided me with a distraction. I watched that show last night and really sank into it and watched Terry after the game, um, you know, listen to what he had to say. Um, and Scott did a really nice job with that because Terry, um, he put him on the spot. He was like, hey, Carson's coming back. What do you think? Now, Terry didn't answer the question outright. But he kind of answered the question, and I don't like putting words in people's mouths because I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not attributing a direct quote to this cat. But my Terry McLaurin translator was like, "Yeah, no disrespect to Carson, but this guy, how could he not be the guy right now?" You know, and, 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 and two hundred words on why Heineke's great, and seven words on why we've got an opportunity to win with whoever's under center. You know what I mean? 200 words on Taylor Heineke, seven words on we can win with anybody. So I, 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 you can see it in the way people talk about him. You can see, and he's a little guy. Did you see him sitting next to, um, to Chase Young? Chase Young's also enormous. Yeah. So one Ch- thing about Chase Young, we saw him at the NASCAR race. He was just towering above everybody. And I don't think he could be described better than Stanford Steve, Steve saying a Greek god, just yeah. a tri- chiseled Greek god. Yep. And uh, and Taylor Heineke's a pretty average-looking guy in pads, but what he gives you is is anything but average out there. And so, I think uh, I think you know it's easy to forget that he he went toe to toe with Brady for you know 
a long stretch in that playoff game a couple years ago. And uh, this guy's patient. He's patiently waited his turn. He doesn't seem like resentful. I'd be resentful if I were him. He's patiently waited his turn multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah. You know, he almost beat Brady in Brady's Super Bowl year uh-huh. in Tampa Bay. And then the next year they were like, well, we're, you know, you're a backup again. Yep. And then the next year after that, after he came in and, and you know, performed as a backup to replace yep. the starter. And then this year, same thing. Hey, Is he the new Ryan again. Fitzpatrick? It almost seems like he's the new Fitzy. Fitzy came to Washington and anointed him. Yeah. You know, you're my successor. Yeah. No, honestly, because this guy, he he just has got that kind of it factor. I know some people drives him crazy to hear people overhype players because they're well liked or whatever, but the the cat is well liked and that goes a long way in that building. Guys play for him. And and I want to say this about Scott Turner. Because I have questioned Scott Turner's resume, I, I didn't know that he, you know, I I alluded to to the fact that you know his dad helped him get that job. I mean, like you know how it is with with these coaches. A lot of times the the um, nepotism and kind of the it's who you know type thing. And um, again, how he got the job is one thing, but what he's done with this job um, in spots, I was really impressed with what Scott Turner did last night. And, um, you know, their game plan coming in. And not just to mention Scott Turner, uh, but also Ron Rivera. How can you not talk about that game Monday uh, without talking about Ron Rivera? I mean, he, he could say all of four words after the game. My mom would be proud. And then he had to walk out and leave the room uh, after he got the game ball. I guess he lost his mom this week. Um, and that's a really tough thing. I mean, we talked about Devin White and the, the heavy heart that he played with, boarding a plane for fucking Germany and learning that his dad passed away and, and going out there and playing football. It's another thing, though, to be down and have to be a leader. You know, I think that is a, that's a heavy burden. You know, he doesn't have a choice. He can't check out. He can't go to his room and be alone. He can't. Being an NFL head coach, you're responsible for everything. And you're responsible for the, uh, the vibe on the team. You're responsible for the game plan. You're responsible for delegation. You're responsible for the travel decisions you make. And there was no hiding for that guy this week. And for him to go out there and coach the game the way he did, that's why he's well-loved. And uh, that's why you could tell the players after that ball game really think the world of him. And this is a guy that we kind of left for dead. <laughs> A month or two ago. I mean, how much has changed for this team? Uh, so I think I think you got to tip your cap to Taylor Heineke. I think you got to tip your cap to Scott Turner. The time of possession was ridiculous, dude. Stairway Absurd. To, stairway to Heaven's longer than... Uh, if I turn Stairway to Heaven... Is Stairway to Heaven longer than six minutes, 11 seconds? I think it is. Yes. That's how long the Eagles had the ball in the first half, I think. Yep. So like... Um, what is stairway? Like six thirty-eight or something. So, um, needless to say, it's not ideal when your quarterback can't get into rhythm. And although Brian um, Robinson, eight oh two, eight oh two, stairway to heaven. Well, it feels like six thirty-eight because it's so fucking good. Yeah. But <laughs> so, um, some people think that's. What was the, the, the Wayne's World thing about when he went in the, the guitar shop and he was like, no stairway, denied. 
Does that mean that, it, like back in the day, people would just go in there? It, was it a fact that was it? It was overplayed for people. Okay, it was not overplayed for me. And um, I just the Eagles having the ball for six minutes is just I cannot underscore how important that is when you're playing a team that you think is better than you and has a lot of weapons offensively. You got AJ. You got Dallas Goddard, who's now hurt. Um, you, you have you have a whole host of weapons out there. Devontae Smith. You want to keep them off the field. You want to keep Jalen Hurts out of rhythm. You know, um, this is a way to do it. And they did a masterful job, especially considering it wasn't like they were breaking off a lot of explosive runs. They just stuck to the game plan. And especially considering a fumble on their first drive, the yep. Eagles go down and they're down seven points in the first couple minutes. Yep. Not what you expect. You wanted to come out, punch them in the mouth. Instead, yep. you stumbled and got punched yourself. And 12 of 21 on third down, and you let the Eagles make the big mistakes. I mean, you talked about a fumble, the first possession. You're probably not supposed to win a game where you cough up the cookies on the first possession and the, the team that's favored by 11 goes in and scores, right? Mm-hmm. But very resilient. We saw that uh, a couple weeks ago when Tennessee walked into a beehive in Kansas City, and they're up 9 nothing, and they're fucking – they are just – I mean, the crowd's going crazy, and you're like, this is a hostile environment. But they found a way to – to, to, to battle back and that's that's what this team you know has got in them uh, and it starts with the head coach and it, it's all that, that head coach and the quarterback the personality of this team is really good that's why I wouldn't fu- I, I wouldn't fuck it up right now if I were them so um, a big win for them and they, and they were they, they were there were some bad calls okay so Eagles fans listening they're like well you know the face mask, and I do think face masks should be reviewable on turnovers. I, I don't think it's too much to ask. Guy's neck sideways, it's hard to hang on to the ball. You're kind of worried about your fucking neck, your, your head coming off your neck. Um, it's a bad feeling when somebody's got the side of your face mask. They missed that call. There were other calls they missed. Um, you know, the Eagles also got bailed out a little bit on that pick play on third and eight or whatever it was late yep. in the game. I thought that was, I agree with Troy Aikman, I thought that was a... And you know, people are gonna complain about the BG uh, call. This is a delicate situation for me because he's one of my great friends and um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't wanna pile on, but you can't make that penalty, right? And he knows that and he was accountable. One of the reasons that I think this team is gonna be fine is not only that they're really fucking good and this happens, but you have great leaders on this team and BG's one of them. I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second. As a rusher, we are trained when we see a quarterback go down to touch him down. We're partially trained that way because we got to finish the play. We're partially trained that way because there is this intrinsic competitiveness in us to beat our buddy to the quarterback. Like we say it all the time, I'll race you to the quarterback, right? There were countless times where probably me and BG raced to a quarterback who was down. Because you want to you, you, you want, you finish the play and that's mine, you know what I mean? And him and Hassan, who were probably both late, um, by the letter of law, that, that's a penalty. You know, and I know some people were saying in the first angle to me, I was like, that's ticky tack. I was with everybody. But then when, when they showed the play behind, you know, and you could really see BG plant his foot and take four steps, redirect on the second step, put his foot in the ground all after Heineke had hit his knee, like by the letter of the law, that's the right call. I think my issue is more, and certainly if he could do that over again, he wouldn't fuck it up. My issue is that's not something that happens much. 
uh, quarterbacks don't take knees in the pocket a lot. And would it have happened to me? Maybe it would have happened to me. And I'd be sitting in BG's situation the next day with, with, with other people parsing my decision. Um, so I'm not above making that mistake. It never happened to me. I never saw a quarterback take a knee abruptly on what might be the biggest down of the football game. When BG gets in his stance on third down there, you're thinking this is my fucking opportunity to make a play to save this game for us, as he's done so many times before. And as pass rushers, we cannot wait for those opportunities. You know, there's nothing like a third down when you have an opportunity to change the entire game in one play. And I think he was just so in that mode that he wanted to finish that job. But Taylor Heineke taking a knee is a problem, okay? It's the right call, but it's a problem. And that's a wrinkle that the NFL should look at. If a quarterback wants to go down, he's gotta forcefully throw himself on the ground. There can't be this kind of take a knee thing and pop back up. And, and one of the reasons it's so dangerous, da- dangerous for Taylor Heineke, you saw the way he got bent back. He's lucky he didn't you know, tear his MCL or something. Your ankle gets caught in the ground as, you, as you're you know, putting all your weight on that knee and BG puts 285 pounds of fucking BG in your face. I mean, you're, you're going to fold like a goddamn chair at Robert Quinn's wedding. That's what happened to me. Sitting and sat down at Robert Quinn's wedding in the Bahamas and the fucking chair just it, like a bunch of toothpicks on the beach in, in the Bahamas. A bunch of people getting off a cruise ship or looking at me laughing. That's what would have happened to Taylor Heineke. Um, and, and, it, and, and he's lucky it didn't. So... I think it's 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 unsafe for quarterbacks to to be able to take a knee in a live pocket. It's also um, it's it's impossible to train your brain as as a defensive lineman and say, okay, I'm I'm going full speed right now, and now he's taking a knee. I am not denying that BG could have stopped his momentum, but it's such a curveball, and I don't know that that he had seen that situation before. A lot of times, quarterbacks go down; they they throw themselves on the ground or they slide down, or they, but you don't see them take a knee a lot. And I think that's what made that really tough. So something that the NFL could look at, but they probably won't, um, because this is a, a tough way for the game to end, objectively. And uh, I'm not saying the call was wrong. Um, I'm not saying BG shouldn't have been smarter. In fact, he easily could have stopped his momentum. People that say he couldn't have stopped his momentum, they have too much confirmation bias. I'm sitting here, I'm telling you, he's one of my good buddies. Um, It's just a tough situation to be in. So the BG play, you know, BG didn't didn't blow this game. You know, Quez Watkins didn't blow this game. Um, Landon Dickerson didn't blow this game when he got blown up by Jonathan Allen at the end of that game before the Montez sweat sack, I think it was. Yep. That was one of the most big boy rushes I've seen all season long. My God, they did not make a big enough deal about that rush. just want to pause for a second and talk about that rush where he threw a giant fucking man out of the club, dude. That is a hell of a football player and a strong individual. I just picked Landon Dickerson because he had a holding call too. I'm not singling him out. I'm just saying that I'm illustrating there were plenty of opportunities for this team to win that game. So it's not just BG. It's not just Quez Watkins. But as their leader said, and that's Jalen Hurts, who I would go to battle for any day from the outside looking in. We are we have been repeat offenders of leaving money on the table is the words he put. I love how succinctly he puts things. 
and uh, and eventually that that catches up to you. And you know now is your opportunity to respond. And I'm watching SportsCenter. I'm listening to Ryan Clark, and I thought this was brilliantly put. If you are winning, it's hard to make you feel like you lost, which sounds very obvious. But if you played in the NFL, you know that not every win is equal, and a lot of times you get lucky, right? And you'll come in the building, and if you got a bad coach, coach is just going to move on to the next thing. But if you got a good coach, coach is going to call it how he sees it. Which means if you lose and you play great, um, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. We got to pick it up in this little area, this little area, the, the margins, man. There. But if you if you win and you play like shit, you should hear about it. And they've played bad at times this season and gotten away with things for stretches. This is part of growing up as a team. You have to lose to feel like you lost. There is no, there's no, uh, oh, well that felt like a loss. We got our ass chewed after that win. We, we, we had no business letting Detroit back in the game. We had no business doing this, that, and the third. I, you got to get punched in the face. And they got punched in the face last night on a big stage and it hurt and it should hurt and the leadership on this team from Jalen Hurts to Brandon Graham taking accountability in his locker after that game saying that's on me that's why they're going to be fine because they're 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 a young team in, in in their in their journey right this is a new window for them this is not the DNA of that Super Bowl team is there and Lane Johnson and Kelsey and a couple of those guys Fletcher Cox Brandon Graham but this is a different team, right? So they're young in their journey, but what they have is they have some some war daddies, dude. Some guys that have been there, been done that, and 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 a young quarterback who acts like he's 34 years old. So I, I feel just fine about the Eagles. The same deficiencies they had before this win, they still have. You have to stop the run. If you shouldn't have to rely on Jordan Davis to stop the fucking run. There's 32 other teams in, 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 in pro football, 31 other teams in pro football. None of them have Jordan Davis, okay? So you gotta find a way, whether it's bring somebody in off the street, I don't know if Sue's sitting around somewhere, I don't know if it's Limbaugh Joseph, but somebody's gotta come in to stop the bleeding there, or they gotta do it, and they gotta do it right away. Um, Brian Robinson, 86 yards after contact. Yeah. The best in his career, that's a big number. It's a big number. And, you know, Terry McLaurin's on safeties last night. Did you hear him on the mic? Did you yeah. hear the mic boom pick that up? Don't yep. put safeties on me. Yep. Um, I love that kid. That's a confident player. I love that kid. He's confident, but he's not He's not arrogant, you know, which is a really tough thing for a wide receiver to pull off. Yeah, I put him in it. That competitive, like, fire he has, I put him up there with Stephon Diggs, the way he, the way he competes. Mm-hmm. No, just that competitive... Like there's com- competitors, and then there's those guys, who it's everything, and um, and that's infectious, and that's why Washington's a force to be reckoned with, uh, and and why the Eagles shouldn't have slept on them last night. This is this is gonna be good for them. Um, so, listen, if you're an Eagles fan, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't panic, um, and I wouldn't panic that the Vikings are ahead of the Eagles on some power rankings again. That stuff's Who cares? fickle. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? We're way too sensitive about this stuff, right? It's all about what happens in January. So um, let's get there. And um, yeah, my, my layup line is going to be uh, young bleed, give and take. Because it is. You win some, you lose some. You spend some on them when you choose them. It's cold work. It's cold game. If you learn to give and take, it ain't no thing. 
So uh, a lot of people don't know Young Bleed, but Young Bleed was a fucking legend. From in high school, we used to sneak off and pack dips uh, in my buddy's Mountaineer and listen to Young Bleed. Um, so spend a little Young Bleed today, Reed, for the Eagles. It's a give and take, man. Ain't nothing sweet when milk money ain't enough to feed the Tommy We mama fighting this land of milk and honey Home of the never free, become ghetto celebrity Living in jeopardy, play a number, someone never be So here's Rich Eisen Who I really, can I say this? I, I did not realize I'd become such good friends with Rich Eisen I didn't have that on my bingo card For my post-playing career, dude I've always liked the guy but he's just a great guest, and uh, I've been going on his show for a few weeks now, actually almost the entire season, every Monday, right, when we wrap our show. So check out the Rich Eisen show. I don't need to plug a show that's much bigger than ours, but um, I enjoy going on his show, and he's gracious enough with his time to get off the plane, come home from Germany, jet-lagged, and, uh, and give us his time. So enjoy. The best moments in a sports fan's life are in football season. I'm not talking about September. I'm not talking about the first week in October. I'm not even talking about the second week in October. I'm talking about when it gets colder, the temperature drops, the games get bigger, the hits get harder, and you can curl up and watch some meaningful football. I like to do it with a Miller Lite from the fridge and a cold frosty mug from the freezer. Frosty mug, meat, a cold, beautiful can of Miller Lite from my fridge. That's teamwork. We come together, we can make a great play out there, and the, and the best play to make on a Sunday is a nice cold Miller Lite and a frosty mug at home. That's my favorite thing. Maybe a fire in the fireplace. Yeah, now we're talking. But Miller Lite, it's an original, and it's more than that. It's been a fan favorite since 1975. The best part, no matter how your team plays, Miller Lite is always a winner. The perfect beer for Sundays, I gave you the, the hot tip. Having that frosty mug is a lot like having home field advantage. I mean, like, it just makes everything better for your boy and your boy's friends who file in every Sunday to enjoy cold, ice-cold Miller Lite uh, at, at, at my house. I mean, we have a lot of people over, and I got to have the Miller Lite stocked up. A lot of light beer cuts back on the most crucial ingredient, flavor. Just 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce serving. Miller Lite, quick on its feet, heavy hitting on flavor. No wonder it's been MVP from day one. This football season, enjoy the sweet taste of victory with Miller Lite, the original light beer. Find it pretty much anywhere beer is sold. Go to MillerLite.com slash Greenlight for delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $25, get $50 in free bets. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789.
All right, so very graciously, I have Rich Eisen joining me, uh, and he's back from Germany, and he was raving about this experience. It looked great on TV. Rich, better in person? It's incredible. Uh, honestly, I know Brady said it was one of the best experiences he's ever had in, in football, and you know, obviously, that's a been there, done that guy. Um, and it was just like any Super Bowl I've been to, to be honest with you, you know, week long build up town felt, you know, you, you felt, you felt everything in the town, um, you know, huge, uh, event in the stadium, massive pregame, you know, ceremonies, Tom Brady's playing in it. Geno <laughs> you know, Smith too. Geno Smith was on the side of that big hotel. People were making a big deal about that. Was there another hotel um, that had Brady on the side of it, Rich? Or was I, I, it don't, just Gino? I don't know. I don't know. But there were there were faces everywhere. I mean, I, uh, I I passed by. You know, I guess it's these like these kiosks that that they have in Europe. Um, Levante David was on one. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it was everywhere, and fans were of all different. 32 all 32 teams were repped just walking around town and people were from you know coming from um, other continents like they were coming from um asia they were coming from africa they you know this is further obviously southeast than than the uk um so it attracted a different um geography of fans in the same way you know like moving the draft out of new york and putting it in the Midwest, in Chicago, you had a different group of fans because of how close the draft was to that to those other fan bases uh, that wouldn't ordinarily go to New York. So there was just a whole different vibe to it. The stadium was was sweet. Um, it was it was just awesome. There's no doubt in my mind the NFL is going to have a game or two in Germany forevermore. Do you think really. that they? Do you think that the, uh, you've been there? I mean, like obviously. The atmosphere is great when we go to London. I love going to London. I mean, I, yeah. I don't love the jet lag. I don't know if I'd want to play there on a team in London. But do you think that the NFL is 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 biting off more than they can chew if they if they attempt to move a team somewhere international? Yeah, of course, you know. But I I I don't know if that's really the end game. Yeah, here. like is that is that that they would have a market there permanently. I, I don't know how you could do that. I know that there has been a conversation about a division. So you're going to create four teams. Um, that means four more owners that uh, would be there taking a chunk out of the pie. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many owners will raise their hands. Current owners in the NFL raise their hands, say absolutely take, uh, you know, you know, one more eighth out of my chunk of the pie. Go for it. You know, um, I don't even know if that's the well, math. No, it's a. We'll ask Jim Irsay what the math is. He was he's talking quadrants. They're in the yeah. You know what I mean? They're in the the upper quadrant of the upper quadrant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever a, the hell that means. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I'm so jet lagged right now. I can't even like stand. You yeah. know, but I'm a 53 year old man with a lot of shit going on. You know. So uh, by by the way, that's uh, you know not personal. Um, <laughs> I've got you know just. But I'm 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 really just whacked out right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, I God bless. Russ saying that, you know, he doesn't get jet lag. I, I don't know what human being doesn't. I mean, oh. it's really it's significant, significant. When right you go now. over there, it's really hard. And there's a whole there's a whole strategizing that goes into like, hey, when if I'm a head coach, I got to decide which day we go over there, like how we want to acclimate guys circadian rhythm. Guys are talking about what well, Jeff Fisher took us over there and we, we weren't allowed to go to sleep. We got there in the morning. And the idea was if you go to sleep, you know, during your first day there, you're never going to be on time. So you walk in the lobby, they get these bright lights 
you know, that people use for uh, seasonal depression disorder, which yeah. I think I might have, not making light of it. Uh, but the, 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 they got these big, like, parking lot lights in the lobby. You know, there's no, there's no going back to your room to take a nap. There's a whole, there's a whole thing that goes into the science of going international. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting to see how teams do or don't do things when they go over there. Yeah, I was walking with Pete Carroll from the practice field to, you know, the office space where we would have our production meeting. And he was talking to me about how they have a whole sports science staff that mapped out when they should leave and what they're going to do when they arrive. And they went from the airport straight to practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and then after that, uh, they went bowling um, to celebrate Drew Locke's birthday. <laughs> Because they wanted to keep everyone up. Didn't we? Yeah. All? You know, like Drew Locke, is a, he loves bowling, apparently. And they went, they found, like, God bless Pete, he found, like, a Munich lanes for them to go bowling in to stay up another few hours. And the Bucks arrived the next day because, you know, they're from the East Coast. I mean, Seattle traveled nine time zones, man. That's serious business. Um, and I have no idea what, you know, caused the game to go the way that it did because I, I – I saw a Seattle team that was like wired at practice. They were locked in and music was blaring and the Buccaneers were a totally different vibe. Um, and they were come like the Seahawks were like Pete, like chomping gum pound, you know, bouncing mm -hmm. off the walls and stuff and coming in on a four game win streak. And the Bucks were all like, man, you know, nothing's really worked the way that we wanted to this year, but it was a great way that the game against the Rams ended. And if we can get to the bye week at five and five and come back healthy, who knows what can happen. And that's the team that wound up that wound up winning and, and you know, having the more dominant game. It was amazing. Yeah, it really you called worked. that game. And I thought I texted you to tell you this. I mean, I mean this, you're good at that. I mean, like Thanks. you doing the, doing the play by play stuff is such a different skill set, right? Yes. Than doing this. Oh God, Chris, no, no doubt. I mean, like we, we rehearsed, um, for the, the saints Cardinals Thursday night game. So that was like, whatever that was late, late October. And all four of us, we went into some studio with a green screen behind us and, you know, and, and mimicked what this, the, the setup was going to be like. And I, you know, I've done it before, but I haven't done it three years. And I, I just noticed that I was talking a lot you know, and there's three other voices to get in there. And by, by talking a lot, I mean, like I was stringing sentences together because that's what I normally do here for on this show for three hours and game day morning for four. And it's a totally different endeavor. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to have, um, you know, 20 plus years in this NFL world. So, um, I, I reached out to Al Michaels and I'm like, you know, if I have that opportunity in that Avenue to, to, to reach out to somebody. I mean, who better to reach out than him? And I, I told him like, I, I, I need to be a little bit more brief. Like I need to, you know, let the game breathe a little bit. And he, he told me some great advice. He says, calling a game is you speak in captions and ellipses. And by captions, he means just caption the picture. And the ellipses is like, you know, a dot, dot, dot in your sentence. You don't need to finish your sentence. Let the picture finish your sentence for you. And, you know, when you're describing a, a play and you're, you know, you're seeing this incredible pass, you don't need to say that's an incredible pass. All you got to do is he throws, you know, like you use your voice to actually throw meet the, the ball, throw in the ball with his voice. Right. And that, that's, and I've heard him do that. That's fucking crazy. 
But that's 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 the sort of stuff we were talking about. And, you know, uh, like I, I, I wanted to have that sort of mentality and it's it ain't easy. But I, so I appreciate you you saying what you say because it, it means a lot. No, it was cool, and you know somebody got the, who got thrown out of the club. Uh, you you yeah, think yeah. got thrown out of the club by Richard White and the whole thing. Like I was like I woke up in Vegas and I was not as hungover as I, I thought I was going to be, <laughs> but uh, you know I rolled out of bed and it's the second quarter, which is pretty damn early in Vegas. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, Rich is calling the game. And I thought you guys did a really nice job. And obviously, Thanks. it was a really good week. And it's a good week for the NFL, right? Because it, even if they're not moving a team over there, they want to grow the game. And it's so funny to me when you go play in London. And we, I was, I was joking on your show. And you can catch me yeah. on Rich's show every Monday at 11.15. But I, I, um, I, 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 we were playing the Jags. And the Jags are like, they're a home team in London. Like people, I don't know what it is about the Jaguars, what kind of shit the NFL right. did to these people's brains. Uh, subliminally to make them Jaguars fans, but they love the Jags. There's also a lot of random jerseys littering the stadium, as you alluded yeah. to. And I was wondering, was there any? Did did you did you did you see anything you didn't expect? Like I saw a guy in a Brady Quinn jersey, yeah, in the bathroom in Vegas at the sports book, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. That's not what I expected to see. Was there a, a, a team or a jersey representation that was weird for you? Yeah, um, I didn't see like an old school one. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think Waddle wears the same number that Tannehill did there in 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 Miami, and I yes. think I might have seen a Dolphins Tannehill jersey. Yeah, you know, I, I may have I may have seen that. Um, but you know, and in terms of the Jaguars, you know, they, they, they have a UK following there. And now that Shad Khan owns the team, he owns Wembley, mm. you know, so that's why they play in Wembley and not Tottenham mostly yeah. when they go over there. But, um, I do believe Brady, I had the stat written down on my, on my, uh, my board, you know, whatever the, uh, piece of paper is that the, the, the Oak tag or whatever you want to call it, that, that, that you have all your information on. And players, uh, I wrote down on. I believe Brady did, in fact, throw for the number of yards that he needed to to pass Blake Bortles for the most passing yards in the history of international games. <laughs> That's good. Oh yeah, and they love just, Blake over there. They love Blake over there. And the and the Jags are really popular in the UK. But what I found yeah. out was that Seattle is the second most popular team behind the Patriots in Germany and so, in Germany and, and they turned right. out accordingly, I'm sure. So, right. And so they, they did. And, and I ran into two guys from Sweden who were, cause I Instagram live, um, me stroll. I went to the beer gardens on Saturday. I, you know, my, my, uh, my oldest son had a school play, um, his school play. And so my, my wife did not make the trip cause we were, you know, splitting up duties where I would do, I was doing the game. Otherwise she would have been in Munich with me. Um, you know, and so the reason why I bring this up is, you know, she wasn't there and I would just had, you know, time on my hands just by yeah. myself. Yeah. And so we had already done our, um, our visit to Allianz on Saturday to just, you know, see the booth. And we came back and I had four hours to kill. So I walked to the beer gardens and just, you know, like a kid on Instagram live, just to show, you know, what's going on. And I walked through the beer gardens and ran into a whole bunch of NFL fans who are NFL network game day morning viewers. They, mm -hmm. they see it over there. 
uh, ran into these two dudes from Sweden from, uh, who are big Seahawks fans. We, I bought them some blue vine, which I didn't know existed this hot wine. Um, hot wine. And, and yeah, man. I mean, uh, so you're really, you're really sinking into the cultural experience. I was, and I, and you know, if I didn't have that meeting at five in the afternoon, I would have been doing what everyone else was doing, which is drinking huge ass, you know, steins with undertoes worth yeah. of beer, you know, at 1230 in the afternoon. And, um, jet Germany, jet fans and Germany, Patriot fans and seeing them from all over there, they're diehards. They really were, they knew the sport and they, you know, it wasn't one of those games where, you know, um, where a timeout's called, but there's a big play and you hear a big scream. Like they think it's really a touchdown. They were on it. Like they were really on it. They, they, they knew the game and they yeah. knew cheering and they knew what the calls were. And sometimes in some London games, you would, you would get the sense that they, they're kind of still picking up on it. And I know that London fans might be offended. Might issue with that. And they're, they're a diehard Irish NFL yeah. fan as well. But, um, you know, the, the German fans were really on it, Matt. They That's really awesome. were. That's really awesome. Cool. And a great day for the league. Like, good day for the league internationally for multiple reasons. Number one, because Tom Brady looked good and the Bucks good. looked more relevant. And I thought this was really interesting Sunday. And I wonder what you think about this. The NFL's been down this year. Like, objectively, the quality of play. There's a lot of bad teams. Tom Brady said it. He's right. I mean, if you look at these slates there 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 are very few games between two teams with winning records now that's changing teams are rounding into form you know the the middle class in the nfl isn't as strong maybe but right. but the um the point is the quality of these games albeit they've had close games have not been it hasn't been electric this year objectively in my opinion now sunday it was because you had the game of the year so you had buffalo and you had you had the vikings but you also woke up to Tom Brady winning, and at the end of the day, you you you, you tuned into Sunday night, fresh off of Green Bay, Dallas, and Aaron Rodgers getting his shit together. And I think that for the NFL, when football starts to mean something, it gets colder. You know, you can feel it, right? It's that time yeah. of year to round into form this way. You, you, uh, if I'm Roger Goodell, I probably feel very good about this past weekend. Yeah, and in between the the the. Munich game and the Packers and the Cowboys was Bills Vikings, which yeah. was just dynamite. Um, and the Justin Jefferson catch, the Dalvin Cook run with the with the Justin Jefferson block, Great block. And, and then the Bills getting a stop on fourth and inch um, to win the game if they only could, you know, get. <laughs> get their victory formation out of the end zone or at least in Josh Allen's hands. And that was a dynamite game, but, you know, certainly because um, the Vikings are a team that I don't think anybody saw coming right. um, to be eight and one and, and on, you know, par record wise with, with Philadelphia, which also got shocked on Monday night. It, it was a, a, a week of unforeseen results, exciting action. And I understand that you're saying that the game was down and the league, um, um, I guess, is down. And I, I, I would agree with you. Um, but, you know, there it's also wide open. I mean, there's a third of the league. You could throw out a team and we could, the two of us, put our heads together and show why they could potentially win it all from Miami yeah. to Cincinnati, to the Ravens, yes. to the, the Cowboys and Giants, to the Seahawks, to the Bucks. Um, Vikings, 
just to name a few, obviously the chiefs are, are one you might be able to throw the, and obviously the bills are one you could throw even the jets potentially and the Titans in this mix. If Let's you throw want. the jets in there, rich. <laughs> Let's throw the I don't know. I, I still, again, and, and that's part of the reason why the, the league is, you know, down yeah. as well, because we're not talking about Zach Wilson as a top 15 quarterback. The Jets are a top 15 team, but their quarterback is not. You could say the same thing about the Giants as well. And that's part of the reason why I think the the league is down. And I'm waiting to find out, are we ever going to see the college football world since college football is, you know, their offenses are, 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 are now all over the NFL. And that is something that Brady and Kurt Warner talked about in our meeting in our production meeting is uh, how the game has changed over the last 20, 25 years and how college football offenses are now in the NFL more than ever before. And I'm just waiting to see, you know, cause you, you, you see a ton of great quarterback play in, in college football. You know, will we ever see a, a season where 24 of the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL are top notch starters why right? I mean, we you still don't see that you don't see it the bottom is i mean like yeah you're right there's it doesn't seem like it goes that deep and this year i mean i think we're seeing it over the course of a couple of years whether it was drew Brees or the philip rivers or matt ryan well he's revived now but he was left for dead last week you know he's another uh, borderline hall of famer guy um you have brady uh you have you have uh, obviously you have obviously Rodgers and the power vacuum that that leaves, the entertainment vacuum that that leaves where two games, it's kind of like when there's an international game, you can feel how how f- it's like the 1 p.m. slate is much lighter. So the absence of one game creates a totally different feel on Sunday. I don't know if you notice that. Like when, the, you know, when, when it's around the holidays and the games are less, like I can focus on all the games better. The same way that, that affects the slate from like, you know, a, a standpoint of t- – what you got on each TV, not having two of the greatest players to ever play the game, playing good football and good teams really creates a, a you know, a bit of a, a vacuum. And I think it's nice if, if they, if they round into form for the league and for all the reasons you just mentioned, I mean, like some of the best teams in the league are not quarterbacked by the best quarterbacks. Um, and so it is hard to call this year. Um, and, and, and I think it'll work itself out in November and December, but to this point I have not enjoyed some of the football I've seen. And Tom was very, very right yeah. to point that out. And I want to, you said production meeting with Tom Brady. Do the production meeting right here. Like, what's that like? Sitting in oh, a production meeting with Tom Brady. Amazing. Just great. I mean, you know, Todd Bowles was in there first and Brady just walks in. Normally, you know, um, the quarterback doesn't just walk in. <laughs> yeah, right? They wait in the Wait for coach to be done. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not... Um, you know, uh, any sign of disrespect from him, the bowls, like he had nothing but great things to say about bowls, but it's just like, okay, he just sat, he just walked in and sat in the corner and then it was just like, okay, thanks coach for being here. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, at least that was my, my sense of it. And Tom sat there and just was straight up, no bullshit, honest for 20, 25 minutes. And I was telling this story on my show today. Like, obviously we let Kurt, take the, the, you know, the, the first question quarterback to quarterback, especially since, you know, Tom's first Super Bowl win was over Kurt, which mm-hmm. is something I also said to Kurt at one point, I'm like, can you believe it's 2022 and the guy that prevented you from winning your second is still playing, you know, like it's really wild, but Kurt basically said to, to, to Tom, like, you know, what are you seeing on film 
that's not working as well than you thought. And Tom kind of gave Kurt this look like, aren't you watching the same film I'm watching? Right, you know, right, and, it was, right. and, and then proceeded to, to be honest about what's not working. And it was almost everything. And, <laughs> and you, you could, you could see that was Brady was um, bristled a little bit disappointed, but also like really engaged. Like this is, he, he wasn't checked out. And I know that there's, some, you know, some people have used the word disinterested with him this year. Um, he was not checked out at all. He was checked in and also just like bristling. Like he's not four and five. Like that's not Tom Brady, like ever. And, um, and the question was, you know, that I was sensing throughout this is, does he think that the answers are in that room? And I got the sense as we were going along that, he did think they were in that room, but maybe was at least the sense I got like the knowing that it was still an open question, whether the answers in that room would actually hit. Yeah. And, and he was talking about though, and the same thing from, uh, Leftwich was that they were close, you know, and that the last 44 seconds against the Rams was an indication that the corner could be turned or had been turned and man, it, it, it was, you know, like the team that I saw on Sunday, like they couldn't run it worth a lick and they kept running it and they ran it down Seattle's throat yeah. and they couldn't stop anybody running it either. Um, and they stopped Kenneth Walker cold and, and Brady was winging it, man. Like he looked 25, not 45. And he also looked that in person. You know, I mean, <laughs> honestly, nice. yeah, it's nice to look that way. No, I, I know that. But I mean, you know, I mean, I, I was seeing him from afar on TV and he looked gaunt, not in person. And like I said, he did not look checked out, disinterested, dis, you know, dispirited. You, you know, he was definitely a guy that's not used to being four and five, but he was it was great. It was just great being a fly on the wall. Um, and, you know, Gronk's not coming back. That's not happening. And um, I don't know if Odell's, you know, would consider going there. But um, I asked him again, and I've said this on the broadcast, you know, have you spoken to Odell about coming? He said he hadn't spoken to him in a long time. I wonder what that would happen there. I would have expected to hear something by now, but I've kind of checked out of that story and just have waited for the next shoe to drop because it seems like a lot of buildup for something that, you know. Well, I think Odell, I I said it on the show last week before I went to Germany that Odell has kind of stumbled on one of the, opportunities that we've never seen in the NFL is like, he should just sit out every training camp and mm-hmm. every first two months of the season and just sign for eight weeks with every team that can give him the best chance to win that he knows he can just stroll in and help out like he did for the Rams. Yeah. And, you know, obviously having a blown out knee is not the way that, you know, that you want to get there. want to go about it, yeah. but Last year, he became a free agent in the middle of the season and chose whichever spot they win a Super Bowl. And now, you know, he's going to do it again, one would think, and have a best chance to win a Super Bowl. And so, you know, you're, you, you could take a look around. Like, where could he join that he would put them, put this team over the top? Um, Buffalo could be one. Buffalo you know, could use that. I mean, like, Buffalo could use that. Ravens could sure use yeah, that. Green Bay could you use know. that. Why wouldn't Cincinnati want to throw him in there? Green Bay could throw him. I don't know if he'd want to go to Green Bay if he wants to go back to the Giants. I mean, my I think goodness. the Giants, it's the dark horse in this thing. 
because I think this next decision, as much as anything, if I'm putting myself in Odell Beckham's shoes, which I'm careful about because I have no idea what his motivations are. And when we're free agents, we all have different motivations. It's like, you know, I when I was a free agent uh, after St. Louis, uh, I looked at New England, I looked at Washington, you know, like totally different destinations with different motivations. And it's almost like, hey, if I'm doing A, I, I look at this set of teams. If I'm doing B, I look at this set of teams. And having nuance in that discussion and your inner inner dialogue with yourself is okay. I think that he could look at New York as a way to, you know, put a bow on this thing, to to transition into the next career for him. I mean, he's not going to be able to to do movies or fucking be in entertainment in Appleton, Wisconsin. So if he's going up to Green Bay, he's going to think, hey, that's this is my opportunity to win and play with a great quarterback. If he's going to New York, maybe, you know, you feel like they're good, but more than anything, you feel like this is an opportunity to, for you to find a home. You know, uh, because he's no bounced doubt. around a little bit. I know it's been a long couple of years for him, and I could see him wanting to like land somewhere that's like oh, I could be here the next ten years. You know what I mean? So, well, or I don't know. Somebody's going to have to offer him a long term deal for that. And honestly, th- there's another one where if you want to put him, yourself on a map to get on a on a cereal box or anything, I mean, Dallas, Dallas. would be a pretty huge spot as well. I just don't know. I mean, would Philadelphia take him um, and throw him in there? Do they, I mean, everyone could use his ability to take the top of the defense off. San Francisco would kind of like blow the roof off that sucker yeah. if, if he winds up there. Um, but it's his choice. And that's why I'm saying like every year, man, why do you need to sit in some, you know, cinder block dorm room at a hundred degree temperature in August and, and, and play weeks one through eight and find out you're on a team that's got no shot to yeah. win it when you could just stroll into somebody's shop in week 10 after the trade deadline's over and say, who needs me? You know, go hang out with your kid. With fresh legs, too. All right, so let me ask you this question, because I'm looking at L.A., they're so, they're so bad, okay? Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, they, maybe they started the season with big aspirations and the Super Bowl hangover's real and all that stuff, but, like, they're not talented right now. Cooper Cup's hurt. I just saw that. Yep. Stafford was out with a concussion, but he's not playing. I mean, like, he, in my opinion, he's older. He's not going to get younger, okay? Um, the offensive line's not getting any better at, at, at protecting him. They've, they've had injuries. And then they've missed Von Miller. And, you know, they've been playing this fuck them picks game, which I totally respect. Les Snead is my guy, and they're, they're Super Bowl champs. At the end of the season, Rich, they're going to pick pretty high, right? Um, you would hate, without a first and a second, to stay where you are. From a from a, a standpoint of like oh we're gonna we're gonna find another veteran quarterback or we're gonna hit free agency hard or whatever like they were so desperate they tried to send two ones for Brian Burns, I don't think things are good there right now. So my question is at the end of this season, if you're less need, is Aaron Donald on the table? Is Jalen Ramsey on the table? Because if I'm the GM and I mean this respectfully, I floated this on my last show, but I had nobody to talk to about it. I think those players need to be on the table. Depending on how you feel about Aaron and finishing as a Ram and that sort of thing, you know, and the legacy piece of it, I don't know that Aaron wants to sit through a fucking rebuild. And I think I don't that, know if he, I mean, where would he play? But except, I mean, would he go to Pittsburgh? I mean, would that, Pittsburgh? I floated that. I well, I floated that until that's a perfect one. Pittsburgh, <laughs> Philadelphia. You know, people don't know where Fletcher Cox is going to be in the future. Um, I, I'm looking at like. Did he get a no trade? I'm trying to sit here and think. Maybe he got a no trade with with part of his deal too. I, I 
I don't know if he'd want to play somewhere else. And I don't know, you know, if Jalen Ramsey has the ability to say no to go somewhere. I don't know, man. I, I just think that this season went down the tubes when the offensive line crumbled in front of Stafford, you know, and got hurt. Whitworth retired and the offensive line gets hurt and they can't run it. We all know how important the running game is to this offense. Um, Odell gets hurt. So, you know, you could see how, what a difference maker he was last year and cup was running a one man operation that was actually working. So, uh, maybe they just figure this is just a hangover year where they got banged up and this is set up, you know, for the moment in the, you know, in the, in the short term for them to just run it back one more time. Uh, I I don't, I, I, Rich, I just think they're, I think they're. Their window's already gone. No, I, I, I mean, like when you well, you saw that with Philly. Like our window closed, and it wasn't my window anymore because I got the fuck out of there after 2018. But the right. window closed right pretty quick, and then they opened it back up because they did something dynamic. They drafted Jalen Hurts. Um, they hit on some picks. Like they got they got busy in free agency. They invested in the linebacker room. They they invested in, in corners. Um, I just wonder. It's like. One of these things is like, all right, you don't have a first and second round pick. I can't imagine they're going to be able to build sustainably over the next couple of years, especially if, 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 if Stafford's done, right? Or Stafford says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to run this back. Or they don't feel like he's the guy anymore. I do feel like they have to look at some of these really like outside the box solutions to recoup some of these picks. If you think about something like Philly's got New Orleans first round pick, right? what does Philly need right now? I mean, they need a couple of things, but they don't need a whole lot. You know, like they could they could ship that that pick uh, to L.A. and you know then you've got this you've got you got Hassan Reddick, you have Josh Sweat, you have uh, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson inside. Like Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis that D line is fucking terrifying. I'm just throwing that one out. Oh, Pittsburgh, you want to bring him home, right? Maybe he wants to right. finish his career right. at home. You know that there's. And this is totally speculative. I'm buddies with AD. We have not talked about this. I would not dare bring it up. Hey, do you want to be traded next year if I let this take fly on my podcast? Am I insulting right. you? It's it's not that he's not playing well. It's just that the Rams, I don't see a bunch of ways forward for them. And maybe that's why I'm not a GM, but I just like I don't see them waving a wand and fixing this. Well, certainly not this year. I mean, with Cup, I I don't even yeah. know what they're, you know, who 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 does it, you know, the, 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 their Rams are taking on the saints, like in the saints defensive meeting rooms. I mean, who are they circling saying, we're not going to let this guy beat us, you know? And I so, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know either, but I, I've been banging the drum. I'm, you know, obviously less is, um, you know, great. And so is McVay. And, uh, I, I just think maybe they just say, this is, this is a, this has just been a dreadful year. Hasn't been our year last year was, Let's run it back one more time. They may have no choice but to do it. Interesting. Uh, interesting. That'll be an interesting offseason. And then tracking the NFL offseason, I mean, like there could be – we're already talking about some of these first-year head coaches as like candidates to be fired. and be on. The, I don't like speculating this stuff, but that's what we're doing. And with some of these guys, maybe for good reason. I, I don't know, like, why is there a leash? Like, you know, it, it, I, I understand. I, I've, I've at times been like, give this coach time. But where are you on how much time a coach should have to show at least some level of competency? Because I think we've talked about this a little bit on your show. Yeah. But Hackett, McDaniels, like people made a big deal about Jeff Saturday. 
I thought the the process was a little crazy, but they beat they yeah, beat the Raiders. This I mean, weekend. when Jim Irsay said, when Jim Irsay, you know, said uh, that he was just glad that Saturday was available. I mean, that basically undercut everything else that he might have thrown out there as to why Saturday could work. You know, it's just like, um, you know, he, he was available. Like you're thankfully he was available. Why? Like. You, because he was out running an errand when yes, you call. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like what else are you talking about right there? But again, you know, um, he, he still beat the Raiders. I mean, and, and the, the, you know, as we discussed today, him basically saying, we're going to start Matt Ryan. And they're like, okay, in a way that Frank Reich might not have been able to have that juice to pull off. And obviously Jonathan Taylor being healthy, but look, I, I, I once spoke to um, Jed York of the 49ers about this very subject, you know, when they went from Harbaugh to chip Kelly to Tom Sula, or it could have been Tom Sula to Kelly or something like forget that. The Tom Sula press conference. Right. And I, I mean, and, and when you one and done coaches, it really sends a message to the league, to anyone else, to free agents, to people in the locker room that, um, that nothing's to be, um, trusted, that nothing can be counted on right. that, right. that so one and done in coaches is really, really difficult. And I would counsel against it. I really would, uh, unless, unless it's somebody like urban Meyer. Right, you know, right. where something is so egregious, and the rest of the locker room can't can't move forward. Like, as totally a total breach of trust has occurred, and coaches are revolting because the behavior towards them is revolting. Um, then, uh, outside of that, I would counsel patience. You know, yeah. I mean, Daniel Hackett is a perfect example. Like, nothing's working. Like, they even came back from a bye week. And the offense looked just as bad. Uh, I, I mean, like normally you're supposed to come back feeling good about yourself. You just won a game going in the bye, coming out of the bye, new wrinkles, new, you know, practice habits, schedule a whole bit. It looked just as bad, like no improvement at all. And um, it, it's just, you know, troubling. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I would just say when you won and done a coach, you're really sending a message that's difficult to build off of. Um, so I would kind of counsel patience, but the other, you know, first, you know, another for McDaniel in Miami looks, Amazing. you know, right. Um, Eberflus in Chicago, I think is doing a terrific gig, you know, Getsy, obviously gets you the OC is doing great too. So right. you know, they got it set up for this kid, right? Kevin O'Connell could wind up being coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, which makes it more difficult for somebody like Nathaniel Hackett, like, Hey bro, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> where are you on this scale of learning curve? Um, but, it, and, but then again, the, his problem is the, you know, the team sold between him being hired and the season going in a way that nobody uh, expected it. So they might come in, you know, the Walmart family might be, you know, sitting there in Arkansas, wherever they're sitting there in Denver and, you know, being at a dinner party and somebody's like, what's going on with your coach? And suddenly that guy um, gets the dreaded vote of confidence and is right. gone. I, I don't know how that works, but that's my philosophy is I would, I would stay the course for at least a year and see how it, see how things take root. That's interesting. We got a Jim Tom Sula reference. So that's, that's really good. And, and the last thing for you, Rich, yes, um, sir. I don't consider myself a movie buff, 
I do like movies. I've found myself later in life too fucking busy to watch movies, which is a problem. So I'm gonna try to get back to it. And the other night I was on, I was on the plane to Vegas and yep. I rented this movie that everybody's 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's iconic. I'd never seen it. It's one of those things you nod along with people because you're afraid to say you haven't seen it. Yeah. Right, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh yeah. It's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, Rich. Yeah, it is. I mean, what a cast too. I mean, Danny DeVito, you saw him in that, yes, right? It was unbelievable, dude. Danny DeVito goes back in the day. Nicholson is incredible. Um, Christopher Lloyd was in that as well. Um, he was one of the the people in the insane asylum. Yes. Um, you know, a guy named Brad Dourif, who folks might be fans of Deadwood. He was the doctor in Deadwood. He was oh, in this. Wow, Rich. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, he was the doc in Deadwood. He was in this and, you know, um, based on the book and uh, Robert Parrish, I think, was nicknamed the chief because of the big, tall Indian who played basketball. No way, dude. I did not know that. So so me, I when believe. I heard Robert Parrish was chief, I thought it was because he smoked a lot. I promise you, I thought it was because Robert. It could Parrish. be that. I don't know. But it's the famed basketball, you know, the scene of them playing basketball in the yard. It was the chief who would run back and forth, big, tall center. What I, a scene. I yeah. What a scene. Put your hands up, Chief. Oh, my God, dude. What what a scene. And then I'm not going to give any spoilers. The, the endings. The way the Chief walks back and for just walks. Yes. And then he starts scoring. And then you see him jogging <laughs> back. Like, it is, it's a, an incredible movie. You know, certainly when Nicholson finds out in the film that one of the, one of the people there committed himself, like, likes being there. Um, and that is a... It's an incredible movie, but if you're a fan of Nicholson from that era, you need you need you need, you need to see the movie called The Last Detail. Okay. Okay. That's where nice. yes, um, where um, you know Randy Quaid before he you know went off the figurative re reservation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he is um, he's in this film as well. Um, it's 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 an incredible movie. Nicholson is incredible in it. And um, I don't want to give away too much, but you would you would love it. Okay. Um, Jack is, you know, this is in Chinatown. Have you ever seen Chinatown? No, dude. So you got to make uh, me a movie list. I mean, this is Nicholson in the 70s. This is Jack. And, you I know, had, I seen The Shining and that sort of thing. But I, I walked. Well, it was away from 1980, if I'm not mistaken. That was in the 80s. Was in and the then 80s. Jack, yeah. And then Jack became, you know, and then the big turn of Jack's career was Terms of Endearment. <laughs> when he, when he played somebody um older like yeah. jack you know with a he had a you know a little bit of a pot belly in it too yeah. and so jack was no longer the sex symbol was just playing somebody older and that was really jarring for a lot of people because of jack's you know role as a stud and and you know and a sex symbol in the 70s um, and he was great in terms of, I mean, you know, I could go on and on about Jack. No, I had a feeling you might like, you might be into that movie because I, I was just, I had to talk to somebody about it. I haven't talked to anybody about it. I was like, yeah, I'll save it for rich. That movie, I'm going to be on Reddit tonight trying to figure out what it meant, you know, cause you know, right. all these movies are metaphors for something and that sort right. of thing. And I thought sure. it was so great at the whole movie. You could not tell. You know, he'd said he'd said he wasn't crazy. He was in there to fake it to get out of the work camp. But the whole movie, it was like he just took you to the edge of making you think he was crazy, and then you realize he wasn't. He was actually just, he was actually just, you know, fucking. Right. He's a he was a good time. <laughs> and then Nurse Ratchet is one of the more famous villains in, yes. in movie history. Man, it was unbelievable. So yeah, I'm really glad to have seen that. that. Actually, the actress who played Nurse Ratchet. It's a great movie, but '70s Jack, man. Chinatown, okay. Last Detail, 
um, and you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Those are just three to three to you know three for you. But Chinatown is really as it, it's one of the all time great movies, and you okay. need to really okay. you need to focus on it. You need to zero in because it's a it's a dense dense plot about you know um, the politics of water in um, in early Los Angeles. You know, and a it's a real dense plot. Yes. And John Houston, who's a famous director, um, plays um, the a character named Noah Cross in the movie, who is an incredible foil. Um, um, Roman Polanski is in it. I believe he directed it um, before he went a little crazy. And it's Faye Dunaway. That's the next one. I'm on, and then it. the last on my list. So I got Chinatown and I got the detail. Last, the last detail. Last detail. I'm on. That's it. an old, that's an underrated movie. There were some great underrated 70s movies around that time. Um, I could bend your ear about another, you know, some uh, Coppola movies too. You got yeah. 70s movies are great, man. So you can't talk 70s movies on the bus with those fucking slouches will come hey man at least but, you know I, I i agree with you but hey they they created their their own trophy for the michigan nebraska series you know so good yeah i mean you know and and i i i didn't get a response from compton on twitter you know when he's just like you know he put the the bus in with the boys put the put the trophy on twitter and i said i hope uh, I Compton tweeted out. I said, I hope you don't mind if this thing gets parked in Ann Arbor, like a bus without a motor. I think that's going to get parked there for a while. Just like that bus in Nashville, Rich. That's it. That's it. But they do tow it around. Um, but yes, that's correct. I don't yeah. have that conversation. With we'll see how quick, how, how deep the Google image search on rich Eisen goes. Yeah. Will Compton. Uh, some of these pictures are incredible. Uh, rich Eisen, appreciate the time, man. And, uh, go get over the jet lag. Thanks for making time for us. Anytime you, and thank you for doing my show every Monday. Those are great conversations, Chris. You're Fun the best for us, man. See ya.